What's up, y'all? Have a seat. It's your favorite hour of the week with the facts over Axe Crew. Now, we got a, a pretty big show ahead of us today, man. We got some good action in the NFL, college football. We finally got some meaningful games rolling. And we got our newest segment, Coppin' Please, man. We got to find out if some folks beat some allegations. Because there's been a lot of slander lobbed at a lot of players. Who knows? I mean, it's only week two of the NFL, week three of college. But it looked like some people beating the slander a little bit. But we will see coming up shortly. Does this sound like a good show to y'all? Also, in the city of brotherly love, we got some not-so-brotherly love from Ben Simmons. Does this sound like a good show to y'all? I'm good to go. Yes, sir. All righty, well, let's get into it. First of all, we got the master of the mix and master, Josh Guyton, in the building. That is I. We got the money man, the man with the plan, Chris Allen, in the building. Right here, right here. And then you got a little old MC. That is me, Kenton Gibbs. Now, before we get into the show, let's run down these NFL scores. We had the Giants, uh, the Giants losing at home to the Washington football team, 30-29. to uh, The 49ers went on the road and beat the Eagles 17-11. The Browns defeated the Texans. Uh, Tyrod Taylor went out in that game as well. So that uh, that was a real tough moment for the Texans, but they also lose the game 31-21. Don't look now, but the Broncos are 2-0 after beating the Jaguars 23-13 on the road. Uh, Jameis Magic has seemingly come to a steaming halt as the Saints beat the Panthers on the road 26-7. I'm sorry, the Saints lose to the Panthers in, uh, in Charlotte 26-7. And the Rams go on the road to get a 27-24 win against the Colts. The Bills absolutely dominated the Dolphins, 35-0. The Patriots had a, a very, very easy day against the Jets. Zach Wilson had as many completions as he had uh, interceptions in the first half, four of each against the Patriots, and the Patriots cruised to a 25-6 win. The Bengals, um, the Bengals were defeated on the road at Soldier Field by the Bears 2017. The Bucks absolutely demolished the Falcons, taking care of business in Raymond James Stadium 48-25. The Vikings uh, come up just short against the Cardinals. Cardinals take a 34-33 win. The Titans with a overtime win, 33-30, thanks to some very interesting calls that we're going to talk about a little bit later here. The Raiders, they upset Chris's Seahawks. And we're going to ask... Are some folks defeat some allegations Steelers, there? My Steelers. I'm sorry, my the Steelers. Steelers. The Raiders defeated the Steelers. I apologize. Ra Raiders defeated the Steelers. Cowboys beat the Chargers on a game-winning last-second field goal from Greg the Legs Erline. And then we've got the Ravens finally beating the Chiefs, 36-35. This has been a long time coming for Lamar and those Ravens, and they finally got it done. And the Packers defeated the Lions after trailing 17-14 at halftime. The Packers go on to score 21 unanswered to end the game 35-17 at Lambeau. Now, fellas, this is uh we'll we'll talk about college a little bit as well. We we only gonna talk about the games that were very important to this show. Uh we had Michigan State beating the University of Miami, who everybody thought was gonna be a contender in the Atlantic in the ACC, and here they are, I'm sorry, a a contender in the Coastal of the ACC, here they are one and two after two pretty bad losses, but we'll go we'll go on and, and talk about that a little later. For the most part, everybody held serve in the NCAA's top 25, uh, with the exception of Florida, who lost to Alabama, of course, and um, I want to say 
that uh, UCLA lost to Fresno State. So those are, oh, and Auburn lost to Penn State. So those are the uh, folks out of the top 25 that are currently in the top 25 that lost. Now, with that being said, is there any thoughts from any of those games so far? Is there anything uh, that's, that's giving you any thoughts, big thoughts from the, uh, from the NFL or college ranks as far as these games go? Um, in the NFL, not really. I mean, we'll get a little more in depth on some games later uh, when we get to our new segment. But outside of the officiating, which we need to talk about, finding some way to to minimize the officiating, it's kind of taking away from the momentum of both teams, uh, kind of getting people out of the game. And when the game is constantly being stopped to decide whether or not something is a penalty, deciding something is a penalty that's changed the momentum of the game when you look at the replay and they admit a day and a half later, oh, it wasn't a penalty, we made a mistake. I think they need to find some way for the um, – for the officials to to break down or make these make these penalties as being called more concise. But as far as the actual play on the field, I think every game went just about the way that a lot of people predicted or the games that, that didn't go their way was pretty close. Um, the, the Ravens really showed out. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson later, but I think we need to have an honest conversation about Lamar Jackson later on in the show. And... Um, Every every other game went just about the way we expected. We expect we didn't know who went out of Giants in Washington. Washington came out on top. That was close, and um, I think that the the Titans really proved themselves because I know a lot of people probably was pulling for the Seahawks, but the Titans, even though they've been a good team for for a while now, I think a win over a team like Seattle kind of solidified them to make a, a deep run. If people had them going there. You know, that first game of the season had a lot of people worried about the Titans, especially because, like we've talked about before on this show. Derrick Henry's a big, powerful back. He's used to running through people, running right through faces. Those backs don't last long for, for the most part. They have very short shelf life. So it's understandable that every time Derrick Henry has a bad game or two, people start looking up like, oh, what? Is this right. the beginning of the end? What's going on? But he showed out. He dominated the second half of that game. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about some of the taunting calls and, and lack thereof later. But yeah, that that definitely was a uh, big big thing for me. Chris, any thoughts on on these games this weekend? Uh, I'm just gonna do a quick little breeze through them. Um, Washington football team surprised me. Um, I really thought Daniel Jones was the best quarterback in there, but Heineke showed me something, man. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of Heineke in his previous job, uh, or I didn't watch him much, nothing in the first week as well. But I mean, hey, Washington football team Heineke don't look that bad to me. Uh, he got a lot of room for improvement. He also has a lot of room for development. So I think the Washington football team, when they finally get a name, will mean something when you say it. Uh, the 49ers, we've been raving about their defense, and their defense did what it had to do. Uh, I'm not surprised they beat the Eagles. Um, then you got the Browns over the Texans. I knew that was going to happen. Uh, Browns, they played a tough game against the Chiefs. Uh, Broncos over the Jags. I'm not even going to talk about that game. We, it, It's no point. Uh, Panthers over the Saints. That was surprising. Are the Panthers good now? Like, that's a question that we really have to ask. Like, did they finally figure out, like, hey, we we not as bad as we think we are? Because last year, when Christian McCarthy went down, that team was just like, like, like how I just treat the Jaguars. Rams, Colts. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm just saying, well, you got some points. You got some points about those Panthers without C-Mac, but they, 
They're looking a lot better this year. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Rams, Colts. Uh, nope. I told y'all Stafford going to win the MVP this year. He looked like he's in second place right now. Um, Bills, Dolphins. Come on now. It's the Dolphins. I'm not talking about that. Patriots, Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson. We already told y'all about Zach Wilson. He might have been the worst quarterback in the top five quarterbacks drafted. We said it on the show. Y'all was Zach Wilson diehards. But anyways, um, Bengals, Bears. Uh, I don't know why the Bears still haven't made the switch, but they got it. They squeezed out a win. Uh, well, they so. they had to because uh, because um, what's name uh, Andy Dalton went down with a knee injury, so they they had to play him, and they they did. And he, right. Uh, they, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I still don't know why they haven't. We haven't got breaking news. He's the new starter. I mean, right. When Andy Dalton get back, I I, I don't think. Never mind. Anyway, Falcons Bucks. Come on now, Tom Brady and they hit. Uh, Vikings Cardinals, come on now the Cardinals, come on now the like Cardinals they they played with they fool this game but come on now the Cardinals is stacked this year we said it last week Titans Seahawks now I was surprised at this one I knew the Titans was gonna bounce back but I thought it because Tannehill had a big game and it wasn't Tannehill Tannehill actually had a, a mid game like very mid um, and Russell Wilson he had a solid game but I think. Hey, he needs to do more. Uh, he's uh, he's on a team now that he's the number one, he's the number two, and he needs to find a way to get his guys the win. Raiders Steelers, the most surprising game. I don't remember the last time that the Steelers lost a game where they was in the game the whole game. Like if that makes sense to y'all, mm-hmm. the Steelers usually pull out those games every time they're in the game. Um, Cowboys Chargers. I'm not talking about no Cowboys. So, so really quick, how do we feel about this um about this Stiller Super Bowl prediction? I still got faith. <laughs> I still got faith. I mean, it's just one game, and we didn't get destroyed, and we had a chance to win it at the end too. I think mm-hmm. we it was a little bad coaching call on Tomlin. I think we should have kicked that field goal instead of going for it. Um, either way, we still would have had to score. So, I mean. The, the, the Raiders was just clicking on all cylinders. We couldn't stop them. We had a lot of guys get injured on defense. Bush went out. T.J. Watt went out for the remainder of the game. We we just we got to get healthy starting off. Uh, then you got the Cowboys Chargers. Like I said, I'm not talking about the Cowboys or Chargers. Chiefs Ravens. I don't know one man in America that had the Ravens winning that game other than the guy that had the 15-leg parlay and lost it because he bet all on the Lions for the last game. Which I'm not talking about. The Ooh, Lions I would have hedged that. I would have hedged that bet. Like <laughs> no, but the thing, the, the thing before. is, Gibbs, you can't hedge it with the money line because it was minus five fifty. So you would have had to hedge the spread, and they gave the Packers eleven points. And I don't know if after the Packers' performance for Week One, I don't know if that's really worth it. Right. Mm. But he had a parlay that had fit, sixteen legs. He got fifteen out of fifteen on Sunday, and it was paying. It was, if he hit it, it would have paid out seven hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars. So. I mean, if the Lions would have won, but Lions lost, so he lost his $25. You know, somebody uh, made a post Monday Monday afternoon before the game even kicked off talking about, would you take 200000 or would you take 100000 no question to ask right now, or 700000 but you got to bet on the Lions and we'll spot you 11 points. I said, bro, if you don't hand me that 100000 you can give me my 100 right now. And everybody talk about, oh, well, the Lions put up a lot of points last week and the Packers look really bad. There are certain things that you can guarantee in life. Death, taxes, and uh, 
the Lions pissing down their leg in important moments, as well as the refs helping out the Packers. That's that's mm-hmm. something you and the, the thing is the Lions suck. The refs don't have to do that. If I was if I was the Packers, I would legit like go up to the refs and be like, bro, stop this. Stop. Come on, man. Come on. But anyway, we'll talk about the refs in just a few. But yeah, I, I Chris, I, I agree with both y'all what both of y'all said for the most part. Um fun fact about that Giants watch the football game. Daniel Jones was 0-5 in prime time before no against the Washington football team. One of those streaks had to come to an end, and knowing Daniel Jones, it had to be the winning one. It had to be. Uh, the rest of those games aren't really too surprising. The Jaguars, I'm I'm pretty sure Urban Meyer is leaving them for USC. I'm, I'm ready to bet my unborn child before the end of this season. He's going to go ahead and, and take that USC job. Anywho. Uh, other than that, all of these were pretty pretty standard. I mean, you know, people like to overreact to week one. Now, the, the Chiefs-Ravens, boy, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. But I know a win going to come, all right? And they came for uh, Lamar Jackson in this one. But you know what? It's just a regular season. We're going to see. Uh, but somebody put a meme out that said uh, he, he walked in the Ravens front office and said the price of the brick went up like Marlowe. And he should have. He should have. He should have. He should have. Definitely, uh, definitely hit that note there. Um, on the college side, none of those are too surprising except UCLA losing to Fresno State. That one was a little. I mean, ooh. Fresno is technically ranked higher than them, so I guess it was. But it, Fresno is ranked higher than them because they won this week. These the Rangers oh, okay. are reflective oh, okay. of, right, of right, right, what, okay, okay. yeah, what happened uh, this week. But yeah, UCLA was looking like they were rolling. They looked like they were, like Chip Kelly got his groove back and all that, and. And, and Clemson barely beating Georgia Tech 14 to 8. That's another one. Clemson beat Georgia Tech by either 60 or 70 last year. Like, this is no, I'm not lying to you right now. Last year, Clemson, Georgia Tech was awful. And yet, somehow this year, um, it, it became a game where Clemson had to win with a goal line stop on the last second. Like, that's, that's tough. That is really, really tough because, again, people are, are, I, they beat Clemson beat Georgia Tech 73-7 last year. So the Sharks are are starting to smell blood in the water and they definitely going to come. So that's that's my my thought there. But we got to talk about these officials for a second. Do y'all mind if we talk about these officials? Oh boy. Because between five targetings in the Louisville Ole Miss game week 1, uh some of these taunting calls and some of these pass interference calls a lot of people are saying that these calls are getting out of hand. The games are getting choppy. And it's just pr- putting out a worse product on the field. Josh, I know that you talked about you being very passionate about this thing. Tell me, are the refs over-officiating this thing? Or is it, hey, the rules are the rules. Follow the rules if you don't want the calls. I mean, it's it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both, right? So, I'm not going to say the officials are going against the rules. The officials are enforcing the rules. And, um... In a lot of cases, I know a lot of people like to beat up on officials, especially when a team that they're invested in is on the wrong side of a call. But I don't think they're doing a poorish job. I know it's a tough job. The officials aren't doing a poor job. But at the same time, it's a matter of them recognizing the passion for the game and trying to help the game. And I think especially if you got people, you know, Gibbs, if college football is on, if regular football is on, you're, you're watching it. You're a football fan. 
But for the sake mm-hmm. of the leagues, the organizations they're involved in, for the sake of their own jobs, you would think at some point these officials would say, like, hey, no, nobody wants to tune in and see me call 10, 10 taunting penalties throughout the course of the game, especially if it's somebody that's trying to get involved in this or they got people around them that's fans of a certain team. If they're from a certain place and they're saying, let me give this a try, I, I feel like they're hurting the overall appeal of the sport when, when they start to over-officiate these games or start to feel to feel like they have too much power. I feel that. I absolutely feel that. I, I'm going to tell you, with me, I don't even – number one, a lot of these rules are – they're bad to begin with. Uh, the rule that you can't put your full body weight on a quarterback, it's an awful rule. It's stupid. It, it literally, yes, it works to protect quarterbacks, but we've seen players, we've seen defensive players get injured in the attempt to try to not land on the quarterback. A yeah. gentleman from the Dolphins last year tore his ACL in an attempt to turn his body and not land on the quarterback. Like, that's the type of risk. I mean, mean, if we're being honest, though, if you talk about the sport of football, you got guys out here that's six foot six, 400 pounds. How realistic is it to ask them to stop their momentum in in that situation? It's just not a realistic ask of those people. Exactly. And not only that, the worst part for me is not only just, I can understand, like, some rules are dumb, but whatever, you got to follow. It's the inequitable calling of these rules. Do, do y'all know how many taunting penalties were had by quarterbacks this last week? Anybody want to take a guess? By quarterbacks? Yeah. I'm going to go zero. Correct. Correct. In all of in all of uh in all of this week's games, there's there has not been one taunting of note by a quarterback that I can remember. I now maybe I'm wrong here. I did not watch every game, every play, so I may be off there, but not a single taunting call of consequence went against a quarterback. However, there were multiple taunting calls on other players for doing things that were less egregious than quarterbacks did. Y'all know how much I love Lamar Jackson. Y'all know how much I love me some Lamar Jackson. How do you call a taunting penalty on Mike Edwards for uh, turning around and backpedaling into the end zone and not one on Lamar for somersaulting into the end zone? How does that work? What What is it? And mind you, when Mike Edwards turned around, it was only his teammates surrounding him. It wasn't like he started pointing at uh, pointing at Falcons players, talking about, you're trash. You're trash, too. You're trash number three. I don't even know why you out here. You shouldn't even be in the league. He literally <laughs> turned around, went into the end zone, celebrated with his boys. So, to me, these rules are just getting really, really egregious. Some of these pass interference calls – there was a pass interference on a, a play between the Lions and Packers that was just so egregious. It was Aaron Rodgers threw the ball in the dirt at least three yards behind where Devontae Adams was. Not where he was going. He threw it behind where Devontae Adams was. So his momentum carrying him where he was going left him at least five or six away from the ball when it landed. And somehow they called a pass interference. Now, mind you, this is a goal line situation. So this ain't a deep ball where it's like, oh, well, he had time, and him being interfered with was what caused that. No, 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 no. Aaron Rodgers threw a bullet straight into the dirt behind him, and there was a pass interference call. And the question is, when you look at that penalty, in what world is that ball catchable? Again, the Lions are a bad team, and I'm not blaming the rest for that loss. I'm not saying that. Because Jared Goff, not knowing how to hold on to the ball, much more responsible than anything the refs could do, which brings me back to my original point. Refs, you do not need to do that against the Lions. They're the Lions. <laughs> They're going to line it up. So, I mean, it's, it's 
it's not just the calls. It's the inequity of the calls. It's how certain players get star calls and all that. I hate it in basketball. I hate it in football. I hate it in any sport. There should be no such thing as star calls. There should be just the game being called the way it should be called. Chris, any thoughts on these refs, man? Well, I'll say this. It made it very, very hard to watch, man, because for one, and I'm I'm going to specifically talk about the game from last night because it's fresh in our heads, but it was literally at one point in the game, it was a penalty after every play, literally. And, and it was to the point where I was like, man, let them play football. I mean, I get you got to review some stuff in football because football is one of those games where it's like the exact spot of the ball matters a lot. But at some point, it gotta it gotta get to a point where little stuff just just has to go. Like if a big hit happens and both players get up and walk back to the huddle, you don't have to throw a flag for a, a, a weird hit or the way the hit hit. You know what I mean? And it was a couple of those last night. It was a couple of just bogus calls too. And like you said, gives the Packers don't need anything or any reason to beat on the Lions. The Packers have been beating the Lions senseless since the beginning of time. So for the refs to, to even just play this much of a part in the game is just overkill to me. I mean, I don't think it's nothing you really could do to change it as the league because they they get booed if they make a bad call. They get booed if they make too many calls. So it's like I think you need to find a happy medium. In the league, some some somehow somewhere. To me, I I think that they should just let the plays run as they will. Almost all of these calls are reviewable. Almost all of these calls are reviewable. If you need to go back up top and say, "Hey, did we miss something there?" Good, go back and do it. But let the play run for the most part and and see if there's something there. I just it's a it's a tough moment for me to see this many um, to see this many calls affecting games in this way. It's just it's it's bad. It's a bad product. It's not good for the game. It's not good for the player. And and most of these calls, to be honest, they really don't protect all the players. Again, that quarterback rule that you can't land your body weight on them. We've already seen it hurt defenders. We will see it keep hurting on defenders. And it's it's just ridiculous. It really is. It, so. I think if I was the lead, I would go ahead and say, hey, we were wrong. We need to go ahead and cop some pleas to to uh, admit that we were wrong and that we don't want to hurt the game any more than we've already hurt it with all these ridiculous rules. And speaking of copping pleas, we got our newest segment of the day. I'm going to tell you a situation, and I'm going to ask you if a player beat the case, if a player or team beat the case with their latest performance. That sound good to y'all? Yeah. All righty. Well, we're going to start with you, Chris. Did Lamar Jackson beat the running back allegations with this latest win? Oh, yeah. I think he did that a while ago, though. Yes, we be honest. I mean, yes, it's, it, yes, you have a case because he did run for, what, 199 yards last year uh, game? He, I mean, he went off for 1,000 again. He's the first ever quarterback to rush for 1,000 in two years straight. So, right, I right, right. So, yeah, so, I mean – Yes, you can say he would thrive in both positions, so I look at that as a compliment. But to say he wouldn't be a good quarterback is just ridiculous. I mean, when you when when you have a quarterback that opens the field up that much when they run the ball, the passing game is easy. So for them to give him running back allegation without even seeing his impact on the league, and his impact on the league is severe because he reminds me a lot 
and I hate doing this, but he reminded me a lot of Mike Vick when Mike Vick was struggling passing the ball. I don't know if you remember, he had the arm strength of the of a of a staffer, but he had trouble placing the ball early in his career. If you remember Gibbs, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. so so Lamar gives me that a little flavor of that when 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 people talk about him. Um, I definitely don't get running back from him though. I get someone that knows how to get the ball downfield, and someone that's un- unpredictable. You can't really predict him. Like Brady, for the most part, you could predict Brady gonna sit in the pocket and use that arm. Lamar, ain't nobody open. He can go get that first down. And Lamar made two of the game changing plays when he got the touchdown. Then he got the first down on top of that on a fourth down play when yeah. the Chiefs were going to be in field goal range if they didn't get it. So. For sure, for sure. Guyton, what you thinking? Did he beat the running back allegations, man? Did he put him to rest? Um, He's never should have had the running back allegations in the first place. So, of course, he beat him because that's something that shouldn't apply to him in the first place. Um, I don't necessarily want to bring, you know, race into the pot, but I think that's a thing that plagues every black quarterback that we've had with the exception of maybe Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. Um but I think people just see the way that Lamar Jackson rushes the ball so well and is able to create opportunities for his offense. But when he makes those opportunities and the defense is vulnerable for a pass, it's not like we've seen him throw these errant passes or we've seen him not be able to get the ball down the field with his arm. So I don't think those should have been been there in the first place. I think a lot of people just look at the, how much he rushes the ball, even though it's efficient, and the fact that he hasn't won any uh, playoff games, any important playoff games down the stretch. I think a lot of people are holding that against him, but at the same time, he's still a very young quarterback. I don't think he's ever should have had those allegations, but if last night didn't prove that he can win a game with his arm, I don't know what will. You know what's very interesting to me? In Lamar's second year, or I'm sorry, not his second, yeah, his second year as a pro, first year as a starter, first year in the offseason knowing that he was a starter. This man went out and had 43 touchdowns against eight turnovers. 43 touchdowns against eight turnovers. 36 passing touchdowns led the league in passing touchdowns. Now, people say, well, look at the drop-off in his stats from that year to the next year. Well, let's let's look at it, shall we? Let's also look at the fact that he lost a ton of weapons. Let's look at the fact that some one of his best tight ends then went to Atlanta. Another one of his tight ends tore his ACL. His left tackle tore his ACL. Marshall Yonda, a Hall of Fame guard, went, re, went and retired, which, you know, I get it. Some of those things happen. All of that happening in one year? And then let's look at this year. He loses running back one, two, and three. And he comes out and gets his first win against the Chiefs. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any allegations for Lamar Jackson, anything, anything below great quarterback, if you have anything to say about him other than that, I want you to show me who else in the game, who else in the game could have that type of situation where you're looking at a guy who has a number one receiver in Sammy Watkins that honestly has not pissed a drop in the last few years. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown is, has been better this year with the drops. So I'm not going to heat him up. But historically, Hollywood Brown's hands ain't been the best. They just have not been the best. So to see this situation go down where people are, are talking about Lamar. And don't get me wrong. Hollywood Brown, when he gets the ball in his hands, when he actually secures it, dynamic. But you got to do the first part first. So the running back allegations are very interesting. Because I'll tell you this. Imagine another any other quarterback 
passing for 36 touchdowns and people being like, oh, they're a running back. 36 touchdowns against six interceptions is a running back? If that's the case, Jared Goff, please go play like a running back. Please. <laughs> Help my lines out. You, If you play like a running back, that's a running back. Jared, come on. Come on in the room. I just want to see it. The next, the next uh, group, did the Packers beat the allegations of falling off? Did they beat the case? Did they beat the case? Is it still pending? What's going on, Josh? Talk to me. Um, no, they didn't beat it. I mean, at the same time, if the season ended, we saw that the Packers led by Aaron Rodgers won the NFC North. We, we wouldn't be surprised because they built a reputation to be a great team, right? But we saw how they performed last week, and we saw how they performed this week. And uh, the litmus test for you falling off, if it's the Detroit Lions, then, you know, if that's the case, no team in the NFL was falling off because I'm pretty sure if they walked into a game against Detroit, 99% of the teams in the league not named the New York Giants could pull off a win. So I don't think that's the litmus test that we should look at the Packers. I think we need to wait maybe another uh, two, or, two or three weeks to see how they perform in these other games that they have coming up before we can make any evaluation as far as how the rest of the Packers season is going to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris, what you thinking, man? What you thinking? Man, that's Aaron Rodgers, bro. If you talk about pound for pound talent and get off the bed, don't throw a football, Aaron Rodgers is that. Like, that's if you want to teach a young kid to study the game, you want to study the game and just get good at skill and craft, Aaron Rodgers is the guy you're going to send him to. I ain't worried about no Aaron Rodgers. I don't even know why he got allegations. He don't want to be there, so he going to play some days like he don't want to be there. Cool it with the Aaron Rodgers talk. Please, please. You know, I'm going to say this. I think that case is still pending. I think they got some more review to do because Aaron Rodgers, while he does, while he is Aaron Rodgers, while he is, no doubt, I think the greatest uh, passing, just the pure arm talent, pure I can place the ball where I want it to go, not just a gunslinger type of guy. When it comes in terms of that, I think that he's the greatest of all time. But with that being said, Father Time is undefeated, and Aaron Rodgers is getting up there. People keep believing that, like, oh, yeah, Brady is, like, he's not falling off either. It's These guys are just really great, and Brady's going to be great into his mid-40s. Brady looked pedestrian at best when he was not with the best receiving core, one of the best receiving cores in the league. When you have Mike Evans, Antonio Browns, Chris Godwin, Gronk, O.J. Howard, yeah, you're going to look good. I'm I don't know what to tell you. Like, I could look good with those guys if I was throwing them the ball. So when I'm looking at Rodgers, Rodgers' weapons are good enough to where he should be all right for the most part. But the reality is, I mean, at the end of the day, Father Tom is catching up to him. Some of those throws he can make, he used to be the king of the jump pass. He did not need both of his feet. He didn't need his footwork to be proper to get the ball where he needed to go. In his advanced age, he may need it. He made it. So I'm not sure if they beat the allegations. Also, let's be honest here. They dominated that second half because the Lions gave it away. They didn't do anything to dominate. What did they do to force Jared Goff to fumble a snap? Nothing. What did they do to get Jared Goff to fumble uh, when he was going back, dropping back for a pass? When he was untouched? Nothing. So, I mean, that's it's more so the Lions collapsing then the but, Packers showing up and showing up. We right. learned that we learned that um what's the name? Aaron Jones is enough to and once he oh, gets yeah, the I, ball going downfield, Aaron Rodgers can be really, really But nice. again, 
but again, let's be honest with ourselves now. These these Lions linebackers, I'm I think that it would not be going out on a limb to say that they're the worst unit on that team. Maybe the wide receivers are worse. Maybe I don't know which which one is worse. I would say between I linebackers would say and the corners are probably worse, bro. The, 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 okay, the corners are pretty bad too. But that the corners at least got injuries. The corners, you can at least team. say. Mind you, we just said half the team. Yeah, that's that's half. The, yes, that's half the team. That's yeah, that's half the team. But but at least the corners, you could say, with Okuda was injured, Melafamu got injured last night. There was a lot of injuries. The linebackers are just that was their starters. That was the best they got. Anzalone was supposed to be our big free agent signing. Jamie Collins was supposed to be a big free agent signing two years ago. And look at him. Look at him. It's embarrassing. I will say this, though. I will say this. The Lions coaches staff look better than they have in a while. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. These coaches are doing the best they can. But especially when you get to the professional level, I have, I'm have. i a very firm believer. It is not about your X's and your O's. It's about your Larry's and your Joe's. It doesn't matter. You can draw up the perfect scheme. Everybody believed that Bill Belichick was just this super genius. And he could just could not be stuck. Bill Belichick had the best Larrys and Joes, and, I'm, and Brady is, is in, included in that, but he wasn't the only one. Ty Law, Hall of Famer. Rodney Harrison, Hall of Famer. Junior Seau, Hall of Famer. Dante Hightower, one of the best Mike linebackers in the game for almost a decade. I mean, the, Vince Wilfork, Hall of Famer. The list could go on and on and on about guys that they had that were really good. They got Randy Moss when he was still basically, he was basically at the back end of his prime. Wes Welker went on to catch 100 passes with Peyton Manning. So, at the end of the day, you need the Joes to be good regardless of you and your coaching. And he just doesn't have that. So, Campbell and company, I mean, hey, it's a re- it's a rebuild for a reason, okay? It's a rebuild, and, and any Lions fan I was expecting to be good this year, God bless your little heart. But now... <laughs> Now, did, did Derek Carr beat the mediocre allegations? So far this season, he's averaging about 400 yards per game and is leading the NFL in passing yards, I'm pretty sure. Yep, he's leading the NFL in passing yards with 817. The next highest is 689 in Kyler Murray, and he has four touchdowns against one interception. So, has Derek Carr beaten the mediocre allegations? No, if I'm being honest, um... Although I don't put Derek Carr in elite quarterback company, I say he's beating the allegations because outside of one down season he had, which I believe was 2018, I never really looked at uh, Derek Carr as being a mediocre quarterback. I always put him in, in a, that um, like Matt Stafford kind of company. Like yeah, I, think I said they, that last week. Yeah, yeah I, I really think that he. I think he's a really good quarterback. I just don't ever think he's been in a position to have the weapons in order to take his team to the next level. I think if he had the weapons that a lot of other quarterbacks have that we consider elite, we could be looking at Derek Carr as potentially maybe having one one MVP under his belt, potentially having a Super Bowl under his belt. I just don't think he's been in the right position to to have these these grandiose seasons. But he's never been a, a bad quarterback, let alone a mediocre a mediocre quarterback. My eyes, so I, I think that um, if anybody was still thinking that the season he's having this year, I think he'll go ahead and beat the allegations of what we've seen so far. You know, I want Mike Mayock arrested because Derek Carr had a situation where he could have had Amari Cooper and Darren Waller as his primary pass catchers, which would have been a phenomenal job. But they said, No, give us Antonio Brown, please, <laughs> who just who did not get 
who was not getting an extension from the Steelers for a very good reason. Who was well, not at that time paid. though? Antonio Brown was arguably the best receiver in the league. Man. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But he was an older guy who also was known as a terrorist in that locker room. Um, excuse me. You want to add that to a very young team with a young quarterback for what reason? Big Ben has seen it all. He's been a quarterback for almost 20 years now. You can have Antonio, even back then, that was what? He was on year 12, 13. You can have Big Ben play around with a, a guy like that. You can have Mike Tomlin, who's done it for forever and a day in an experienced team play around like that. You can't do that with those Raiders. Those Raiders were young. They were really, really young, and they needed guys who were going to keep that locker room steady, show guys how to be professionals. Not somebody who's going to be on TMZ every week and come out with an album titled No More White Women uh, <laughs> two weeks two weeks after he got cut from the team. I so, also they also think that wasn't um, also think that wasn't really a football play in mind though. I think that was more of a business play because you got to think that at that time the Raiders were moving. And I think in order to bring in a fan base, they had a lot of young players in order to bring in that fan base or bring in that money. They wanted to show the fans of the new city, like, hey, we got this big name that's coming to play. So even though it was selfish for the sake of winning football games, I think that was the reason behind it. I think it was more of a business move than a, a football move. Yeah, I, I understand that. I understand that. Well, you got to look at it from two ways. Oh, because, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you got to look at it from two ways because Derek Carr, he hasn't really proven anything. And for whatever reason, no matter how bad the Raiders are, they always, always have Raider friends. Like, they bought Ice Cube out of retirement to make a song called, uh, it's, it's Raider something, um, recently. It just came out this year. Ice Cube is rapping on it. Like, it, it, when you got people that's going to be Raiders fans no matter what, I feel like they didn't have to go make that move. But I definitely agree with you guys. I think it was a money move to try to build the population up and try to get some of those fans. Because, you know, Steelers fans are all around the world, so they're trying to get some of those fans to come back right. from Steelers time. All right, so the next the next batch of allegations that we got up, did Michigan State beat the little brother allegations? I, everybody's been calling Michigan State Michigan's little brother for quite some time. Braylon Edwards solidified it when he said that's little brother, but Michigan State is the only team between the two with a win over a top 25 opponent with their uh, 38 to 17 win over Miami. So, fellas, did Michigan State beat the little brother allegations? Uh, no. And that doesn't have anything to do with football or anything about performance on the field, on the court, whatever sport you want to bring it over to. Uh, it is a matter to do with the nature of the colleges, if we're being honest. It's the same thing that if you look at a, a basketball, the Clippers can win 10 championships, they'll still be the little brother. So I think it's just a matter of the the name that Michigan has around it, the fact that they performed well in the past, the fact that their name is Michigan and the school that's trying to beat those allegations name is Michigan State. I mean, you're not going to get uh, a Diet Coke and be like, yo, Diet Coke is the big brother now because the big brother's name is still Coca-Cola, right? So um, when it comes to actual performance on the field or being a, a football team, uh, within the course of the past couple of years, I think in athletics, Michigan State has passed uh, Michigan in football and basketball. 
if you want to talk about who's who's had the better program over the course of the past few seasons. But I think it's just a matter of namesake for the reason that Michigan State will never be considered the the big brother in this situation. Okay. Okay. Chris, what you thinking, man? What you thinking? I mean, just like Guyton said, you really can't like you really can't call yourself big brother just from winning the game. You call yourself big brother from dominating the little brother. And Michigan State hasn't done that. They've beaten them. Like, I mean, when rivalry the little the rival the younger rival always tends to, to win some games that they shouldn't win. But at the same time, the Michigan name is just so so potent that Michigan State will never, ever. The best analysis I could think of is the Lakers and Clippers, like Guyton said. Um, the Clippers will never be the number one team in L.A. until the Lakers decide they're going to sell the team. So, Yankees and Mets. You know, I, I'm, I may, I'm gonna be in a minority here, but I'm gonna say it. I think that if they beat Michigan this year, those little brother allegations might have to go to rest. They might have to take a dirt nap, man. I'm, hear me out, hear me out. Jim Harbaugh joins the University of Michigan in 2015, right? Since 2015, do you know the uh, the record of this robbery? Not off the top Michigan. of my head, no. Yeah, three and three. Michigan. Three and three. Michigan State has won three. Michigan's won three. All I'm saying, if you go back before that, if you go back to 2008, you're looking at Michigan State having a decided advantage. However, before that, Michigan State won the last six up to 2002. So, I mean, if we're talking just the last 20 in this matchup here, you're you're looking at a situation that's much closer than people uh, think it is as far as just football goes. And, you know, Michigan State, I'll say this. The case is still pending to me. I don't think they beat it yet simply because you still got to go out there on the field and do it. You still got to go out there on the field this year. Y'all got them at home. You got to win that game this year. You got To me, if you beat them this year in Mel Tucker's third year and you get two wins off them, Fun fact, the last Michigan State coach to get a win off of Michigan in their first ever year as the head coach of Michigan State was Nick Saban. If Mel Tucker can pull off two straight in his first two years, hey, uh, they might have to slow down that that little brother talk. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I agree with y'all that if you talk about which university has the more prestige nationally, if you talk about all of the sports in total, you bring in basketball, I mean, Michigan State with Izzo is always going to be a powerhouse, but Jawan Howard is building something good over there. I, I understand that. But I'm saying when it comes to football, mm, if Michigan State win this year, you're looking shaky. You're looking shaky, boys, in amazing blue. And speaking of brothers, we got to talk about the city of brotherly love here before we close this thing out. Ben Simmons is refusing to report to camp. Fellas, what's going on? Are they going to get him traded? Are they? What, is, what do you think is going to end up happening here? Do you think he'll end up just sitting out a year? What do y'all think is going to happen with this uh, Ben Simmons 76er saga? Um, at this point, now, now that he's refusing to report the training camp, I feel like a trade is going to have to happen. The, mat, the, the concern is, one, what team is willing to take on Ben Simmons after, you know, you get an attitude from a player like this after this performance? And then also, how is this going to affect um, Philadelphia's season? Because regardless of how 
Ben Simmons played, Philly is that team that's like right on the cusp of championship. You know, one one injury to another team or, you know, one hot run, you can see Philadelphia in the finals. So it's just a matter of uh, whether or not Philadelphia wants to take a, a lesser package because right now Ben Simmons just hasn't had, regardless of his play, he still has a bad reputation around him as, as a player. So I think we see a trade get done, but I think we're going to have to enter that space to where Philadelphia maybe ends up with a, with a lackluster uh, supporting cast around and beat with this upcoming season. Mm, okay, okay, Chris, what you thinking, man? What you thinking going on going on with I think, I think I think Philly need to look in the mirror and say, all right, Ben Simmons making a bad name for himself. He didn't perform in the playoffs. What can we realistically do to help this team since we can't use Ben Simmons anymore? Because he if he don't report to training camp. You gonna? I mean, of course you get away with not paying them, but that's still a contract on the books that you have to get rid of. Right, so you either have to a release him and then still pay him anyway, or b trade him and get less value back. C trade him and get a dumb contract back, or d try to try to build the bridge which i don't think it's a way to build the bridge back after they threw him under the bus in the post game interview directly after he had arguably one of the worst performances from an all-star in a closeout game against a, a severely underdog team mind you like the hawks were at fourth seed fourth seed and they fought for that they fought for that like they was only two or three games set in that seed and you guys were the definitive first seed, like easily the first seed. Mm. Yeah. Come on, big fella. Yeah. Why are you popping, being? Show up to training camp, get that work in, man. I know you're going to work either way, but show up to training camp, get that work in, man. Get that work it, in. Here's my thing. The longer this drags on, the more on Ben's side I become. Because at the end of the day, if y'all say that y'all want to get rid of somebody, you'll trade somebody, right? I understand that. Business is business. Cool. Once you announce... It's a difference between saying like, oh yeah, like I'd be open to offers or like, you know, hey, listen, if somebody won't be in there, have to throw me the moon, the stars and everything with it. This is our guy. And like, yeah, we're looking to move him. We're looking to get rid of this guy. Even if he performed, well, even though, let me not say even if, even though he performed terribly in the playoffs, that's still one of your stars. And at the end of the day, when you're a star in the NBA, you're going to have a certain ego. And that's, I mean, hey, it's part of the deal. It's You're a star. You're one of the best among the best players in the world. Like, that's the reality. So, of course, you're going to have an ego. But with that being said, I mean, it's just, again, originally I was like, Ben, you got no reason to pout and complain. But the more I'm looking at this, the more I'm like, hey, if y'all said y'all going to get rid of me, good. Get rid of me. Get me gone. Get me going elsewhere. <laughs> the only thing I will say is, Ben, you're going to keep playing, and you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. You're gonna I'm telling you, they you need to go. Be. The best move for them is to go get Buddy Hill and De'Aaron Fox or Halliburton for Ben Simmons. And then he'll rot in Sacramento for the rest of his days. Ooh. Ooh, Sacramento. <laughs> for the rest Ooh. of his days. Oh, because I mean, he, he just signed that extension like a year ago or two ago, a year or two ago. So he got yeah. at least three more deal, three more years on that deal. He'll be eligible for the supermax in Sacramento. I doubt he turned down two hundred million if they give it to him. Mm-hmm. So I highly doubt it as uh, well. 
I mean, he only 25. You put 205 million in front of me when I was, I'm 25 now. I'm, I say, where do I give you my soul? You know what I mean? Like 205 million. Right. This man Chris said the whole soul. Anywhere. He said the <laughs> whole soul. I'll play anywhere for 205 million. I mean, I don't really care. Bro said, I might not believe in the afterlife, but I believe in the big bucks. Come on, bring them over here. <laughs> bring them yeah, on. So, so, I mean, the, the team that makes the most sense, and I think I don't know why they're not pursuing them, is Cleveland. You don't want Colin Sexton. Yeah. You don't want Kevin Love. Yeah, well, come I on mean, with it. Come on with you, it. You can buy out Kevin Love. You could do a sign and trade with Kevin Love, buy him out, or, or not buy him out. You can't do that, but. You can get rid of Kevin Love, big contract that you're not going to play anyway. You can give them uh, Colin Sexton. Ben Simmons being Cleveland with a young team with uh, Isaac Okoro. But the Cavs always said they still won't make the playoffs. But Oh, of course not. Of course not. But, I mean, Cleveland's a team that I can see an ideal situation for both parties. I mean, Sexton isn't the best playmaking guard, but he's going to score the ball and he will shoot the ball. And, I mean, you got Embiid as a one option there. Do you really need someone else to come there and average 25 a game? No. Colin Sexton can get you 20, 21 a game. I'll tell you what. If I'm Maury, I go for the high-risk, high-reward play. If you believe that Ben truly is, like, not it and he really is just down bad, downtrodden, I would ask the Timberwolves, what you got? What you want to give me? What you want to give me for this man? Come on with it. Come on. Tell me what you want. Or tell I mean, me what you're willing to give, and we'll see what we can work out, right? The Timberwolves' best package will be D'Angelo Russell and Jared Culver and Joshua Kogi and three picks. So hear me out, right? If you're Maury and you get all that, right, and mm-hmm. you believe, okay, Ben Simmons is just not that guy. He's not going to make them a 60-70 win team. How many games did the Timberwolves win last year? They were in the lottery, right? Yeah. Okay. If I believe that he's not that guy and they'll be right back in the lottery with him, I'll take that package because now you've gotten me better at the point guard position at the things that we lacked and needed. And I get some picks from a bad team. That's a win-win-win if you ask me. I mean, but you're in win-now mode because you got an MVP candidate. So I understand. But even if you look at it from a win-now perspective, right, defensively, I think even without being, the 76ers will be fine. Offensively is where... There were times where they just got to a grind and they just and, couldn't and do nothing offensively. One thing we missing in this, though, is Tobias Harris, is he can average 25 a game if he gets the ball enough. Right. So you don't necessarily need some Like, to be honest with you, can a Draymond to there? I know if they ask Curry, he would definitely choose Draymond. Draymond's his guy. He won championships with him. But a Draymond in there or a Gordon Hayward there, anybody that's fine with making averaging like 15 and, and 5, anybody that's fine with not scoring the ball and getting like 10 points a game with a lot of assists will work for them because you don't really need that much scoring because you have Tobias and B. You got the rookie. You got a lot of talent over there that can score the ball. You got Seth Curry who still ain't even hit his peak yet. You know what I mean? So right. I really, I really don't think they they need another superstar. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, all I'm saying is, I just I think that the best. If I'm looking at it from the 76ers perspective, and I'm saying 
what gives me the, the highest ceiling if everything goes according to plan for us. You could end up in a situation where in the East, you're now granted, you have Joel Embiid, so you're part of this. In the East, you're one injury away from being champions. Let's be honest. If you look at the Bucks, if Giannis goes down, that team don't make it out the second round. Right. That I don't even know if they make it out the first. If they if they draw a bad eight seed, yeah, sure. Any other way, I don't know if they make it out the first. You look at the Nets without uh, without uh, Kevin Durant, you can you can have Kyrie and Harden all you want. I don't think you get very far with those two. So you're looking at a situation where if everything shakes out in your favor and you get, you know, you just that a couple things go right for you health wise, you could end up getting a chip and having some high picks next year if you got something rolling with the Timberwolves. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, of course, is, um, again, this is why it's high risk, high reward, because the worst case scenario is like you end up as the exact same team you were last year, just a little worse defensively, a little better offensively, still can't get the job done, and the Timberwolves become a really good team, and so now you've traded for terrible picks and a player that like ain't really helping you for your forever hurt big man whose window is not going to be too much longer. Like, I, you know, worst case scenario. Josh, where would you like to see this thing in? Who would you like to see um, Ben Simmons end up with? I mean, honestly, the the way it's looking, there's no teams that's looking to make a playoff push or looking to elevate their team that's going to be willing to get Ben Simmons. So at this point, he's going to have to go to a, re- a rebuilding team. And y'all brought up some valid points. Um, Minnesota makes sense. Although I don't think that Minnesota could give Philadelphia anything in return that would elevate them as a team or, or at least keep them on the same level. Just D'Angelo Russell as starting point guard for Philly doesn't fit well with that team. He's uh, He doesn't play a lot of defense. Sometimes he's lackluster when it comes to, to penetrating and getting to the rim. And Philadelphia is like one of those hard-nosed teams with that hard-nosed identity. And I don't think that's going to float well with Embiid if we see D'Angelo Russell sometimes take nights off. Um, Sacramento probably makes the most sense because I know Buddy Hill, they already got enough people that can stretch the floor, but Buddy Hill will be able to stretch the floor. Uh, Halliburton brings not the same level of defense that Ben Simmons has because he's, he's significantly younger, but I think that uh, he's still a great defender in his own right. That and some few picks make sense. Also, another team I can see uh, possibly doing this, even though this always, always, always seems to be a team that wants to save money. But somehow I feel like Orlando could try to put together a package. Orlando or Oklahoma City could put together a package to get uh, Ben Simmons as well if they just wanted that star power because they have they both have a lot of picks. And um, they don't have many players here and there to, to deal out to uh, Philadelphia. So it's, it's just a matter of what Philly is willing to take on that many picks and some you know middle-of-the-road kind of players. What what we thinking, Gibbs? They I, I've been looking at the chatter on Twitter and everybody trying to promote this John Wall for Ben Simmons, man. What we thinking? You know, again, because the situation has extended as far as it was, if Daryl Morey had put that pipe down and took them little rocks <laughs> out of it instead of lighting it up and putting it to his mouth before asking for three picks and a, a, a all star caliber player, they could have got a good value for him right after the playoffs. They, as soon as the trade market opened up, I would have went around and said, hey, anybody want to give me just two first-round picks? Two first-round picks and a, a, a starter-level player. I think you could have got that from somebody. Now, uh, if they, if everybody coming with that package, if the Rockets are actually coming with that package that folks on Twitter are proposing, 
you better snatch and grab it like it's hot and keep it pushing because that's honestly your best bet at this point. That's honestly your best bet. I don't, I don't think that you're getting too much better if you're, excuse me, taking uh, De'Aaron Fox and a, a random player from the Kings and no other picks. I don't think you're getting too much better. I'm just saying. So, you know, that's that's tough. That's tough. That's I I could see him taking it honestly at this point. But anywho, I mean, oh, I don't know, man. It's that's (laughs) John Wall. John Wall in Philadelphia just sounds like a recipe for disaster if you're trying to win games. I mean, he's already he's already proven that like he ain't the guy he used to be. He's got a ton of injuries and and it's it's tough. It's tough. It's he's he's in a situation where his legs aren't what they used to be, and his primary skill for scoring was his explosiveness. He was known as the fastest player from end to end in the NBA for quite some time. He's not that anymore. He's still a savvy veteran. He's still gonna make the plays that you're supposed to make. But in the NBA, making the plays you're supposed to make don't win championships. Like, that's the reality. So, I mean, if you're looking to win the championship right away, I don't know if that's the move. But then again, because Daryl Morey requested so much in the beginning, I think he's kind of pushed him out of the who's willing to make me a championship offer range. And it it's, helps it, that Rich Paul is his age. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, that's tough. It's tough. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think whatever happens here, I think that it's going to end poorly for all parties. I think that the 76 is going to end up worse and Ben Simmons is going to end up somewhere he don't want to be. And this is going to be bad for all parties around. And who that's tough. And, and we know we y'all tired of us talking about trade talks and, and talking about who uh, copped the plea and who didn't. But come on back next week and the week after that and the week after that. Peace and love, y'all. Yeah, I know. I know you had